0: Once again, fans, it is time for another edition of the CIAC cast. We are thrilled to have you along with us once again. My name is Joel Cookson, episode forty-five. We have made it forty-five episodes deep of the CIA Cast. We're thrilled that you have joined us for this edition. Got four guests coming up for you this week. We're gonna talk a little Postseason basketball with a few folks, and we're gonna look back at the indoor track and field state open with a few championship coaches. So that's what we have coming up this edition of the CIC Cast. Really excited! I was convinced that uh, I was sticking to my every other week schedule, and then I looked at the looked at the calendar and realized it had been two weeks since we had done one of these. So apparently my brain is no longer functioning at peak levels. Some would argue that it's never been functioning at peak levels, but. Regardless, we are back and we've got a lot of good conversation for you this week, getting into a very, very exciting time of year coming up this weekend. Lots of championship action. So we hope you will be uh, keeping tabs on all of that. Be sure to check out the CIACcast. Listen all the way through and get yourself ready for some championship competition coming up This weekend. So coming up on the show, we've got Henry Chisholm of the New Haven Register. He's going to talk a little girls basketball. Then we've got Dave Rudin of the RudinReport.com. He's going to check in with what's going on down in Fairfield County, particularly on the basketball courts as we head into the postseason time. And then we're going to talk to the championship coaches from this past weekend's indoor track and field state open. Corey Bernier of Tolland High School and Gary Moore from Hill House. Their girls' and boys' teams respectively won their state open titles this past weekend. So we're going to talk to both of those coaches as well. So a lot of good things on tap for this edition of the Cast. Once again, thrilled that you have decided to spend a little time with us today. As always, appreciative of every download and listen and click that we get. So we thank you for list-checking in with us. Before we get to things you might have missed, as always, we're going to send you a little message from our good friends at the department of Connecticut Department of Transportation, and that is that drunk driving continues to take a terrible toll on the nation, claiming almost 10,000 lives each year. In 2011 alone, there were 9,878 fatalities on Americans' highways in which drunk drivers or motorcycle riders were involved. This works out to about an average of one fatality every 53 minutes. Athletes, fans, families, please always designate a sober driver to stay safe on the road. You got these weekend games coming up. We understand sometimes it's a Friday night. You want to be able to uh, enjoy a drink or two before heading out or coming back from the, uh, a competition, maybe go out to dinner after a game, please designate a sober driver, not worth risking lives out there, including your own. So we certainly support that message from the Connecticut department of transportation. Let's talk a little things you might've missed on ciacsports.com. First of all, this past Wednesday, the girls basketball championship brackets and the girls gymnastics pairings and, uh, Qualifiers were posted for the gymnastics championships coming up this weekend, so lots of good stuff. Be sure to check out Tournament Central. I talk about it every time, every season once we get to this time of the year, and it's the place to get all of the latest information on tournament pairings, brackets, results, schedules, updates, cancellations, postponements, rosters, past year results, everything you could possibly want on CIAC Championships, be sure to check it out at Tournament Central. Included in that, always talk about on the right side of the Tournament Central page, there is a stay up to date info on CIAC tournament information. You can sign up for email or text alerts about a specific sport, about any sport. You can get the results as soon as they're posted that way. You can get emails and texts if games have been postponed it's a great thing to do particularly for the winter season when as we know the winter weather that has been thwarting us for the past uh, few weeks is uh, particularly um, challenging so be sure to check that out and get updates when there are postponements so as always tournament central a great place to be and to get all of the relevant information that you need Also, of course, our CIAC Sports Twitter account, at CIAC Sports. That's a great place to also get updated information. You will see lots of results and posts and information there as well. Back on CIACsports.com, had a post that uh, came from our friends at the NFHS, the National Federation of State High School Associations. It's an essay on Why We Play, the Purpose of Education-Based Athletics. I so hope that you'll take some time to read that. Really an interesting perspective on uh, on what it is we're trying to accomplish here with, with high school athletics. Obviously, at this time of year, it's easy to get caught up in the championships and the wins and the losses, but uh, obviously we're trying to do things a little bit bigger than just that as part of the National Federation and as an association here in Connecticut. We've also got the linked-up Winter Championships post that will be updated throughout the winter. So far we've had champion divisional championships in wrestling and divisional and open championships in indoor track and field. That will continue to be updated throughout the winter. We'll add a few more to it as we get divisional gymnastics championships coming up this weekend as well as the Open Championships in wrestling. So some more stories that will be added to that. You can just bookmark it and check back uh, every time, every weekend after a championship is uh, completed. We'll have the story from the local uh, media outlet covering that particular team as they look into their championship weekend. We've got available on the CICsports.com Run to the Sun. The tickets for the Mohegan Sun Basketball Finals are available. You can buy them online be sure to go through the links on the CIAC Sports website. That's how you will not pay any surcharges, no additional fees, no surcharges, if you go through the link on Sports.com. Obviously, we don't know what schools will be playing in which uh, brackets, or in, at which uh, time session this at this point, but if you want to check out the whole tournament or you just know you want to go to that Saturday night session, that Sunday afternoon session, you can get your tickets now. Or why not? You know, it's $30 for... Uh, For eight basketball championship games, that's a pretty good investment. You can just hang out all weekend at Mohegan Sun and catch a lot of great basketball. So hopefully folks will do that as well. And as always, uh, this time of year, if you look at CICsports.com on the right side, we have links to all of the upcoming events on the NFHS network. And that includes a lot of things this coming weekend. We've got the dance championships taking place on Saturday at at Hamden High School. You can watch those on the NFHS network. The wrestling finals, the Open will be available. The finals of the state championship Open will be available. The gymnastics coming up in a couple weeks will be available. The NFHS CIAC uh, Bowling Invitational will also should be available on the NFHS Network this weekend. So a lot of great action available on the NFHS Network. Buy yourself a a monthly pass, and that will carry you all the way through to the end of the basketball finals, which will end hockey finals and swimming finals. As well, lots of great stuff that will be available there. So I've rambled on long enough. That's things you might have missed on CICsports.com. I hope you will avail yourself to the website, make use of all the good stuff we have for you there. But now let's move along to our guests. We are very happy to bring in Henry Chisholm from the New Haven Register. He's going to help us break down the CIAC girls basketball tournaments. It is nearly time for the CIAC Girls Basketball Tournament, and so we wanted to reach out to Henry Chisholm of the New Haven Register and Game Time CT to get a little perspective on what we're going to be seeing over the next few weeks and also recap what we have seen so far in the uh, Connecticut Girls Basketball High School season. So, Henry, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Always good to chat with you, and this time of year it's going to be a lot of fun, so uh I, I guess want to start off here before we start looking ahead to uh, the brackets and the pairings, which came out earlier this week. Wanted to, to look back on the regular season and then some of these uh, league championships that I know you've been covering very closely to kind of get a sense of what the regular season has been about. We haven't done much girls basketball coverage here on the podcast. So I wanted to just kind of ask you uh, to start off just a few teams that maybe have impressed you the most during the regular season this year.
1: Okay, so I will start in the SEC because that's kind of my home turf covering those teams. I've been really impressed by hand. Mm -hmm. They lost in the Southern Connecticut Conference championship game last night only by uh, five, down by three with three seconds left to play. Offensively, they're loaded. They've got shooters from Corey Ouellette, Paula Mataran, Michelle McCloskey. Inside, the leading scorer, leading rebounder, Gigi Catalano, Uh, Lauren Brandow's got a good mid-range jumper, so bang inside. So with Cassidy Wagonic I think Gabby Martin, their sophomore point guard, when she's a senior, is going to be top five in the area, potentially top ten in the state.
2: Mm-hmm. She's that
1: talented. She was on the floor last night with more Fitzpatrick who's going to Marist and Kendra Landy who's going to Fairfield, two Division one players, and she was the best player on the floor in my opinion. If Hand would have won, she would have got MVP. So I like Hand. I like Sheehan. With Joel Mark Anthony, Alexia uh, Casio, the guard. She uh, she came on strong this year. Um, you know, um, Caitlin Lagasse. I think she's she's also good in the, in the post, banging sure. and getting rebounds. And and Coach Bracillo has done a great job uh, of really coaching those girls. And and they fight and they play hard. You know, uh, East Haven is another team that I really like. Their freshman Kylie Slotman. I think Anthony Russell's done a, a job that could warrant him getting Coach of the Year this year. He's definitely going to be in the conversation. So you know, they really impressed me. I saw Cromwell once, I'm gonna talk about them a little more later on. They looked great when I saw them against Morgan. They uh run a really good half court set and uh they got some shot makers and they play really good half court defense. Um and then obviously the you know, the the, the main one is Capitol Prep. They've been number one in the state sure. for I wanna say five weeks in a row and you know you can they should have been number one all year. I mean they 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 just got it all. Good coaching, good post play from Desiree. Uh, good outside shooting from uh, Angelique Rodriguez. They call her Pika because she likes Pikachu. <laughs> I didn't know kids still even knew about Pokemon in 2015, so that's great. But, um, you know, they, they, they've they got some talent, and it's just there's – a, there's a lot of, of really good teams in this state this year. I think all the classes are – a little bit tighter than everybody thinks they're going to turn out to be, with the exception of L. Where I think Capital Prep is, is far and we're the best team.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, and uh, you get the sense that at least heading into the into the the CIAC tournaments, that it, it it's going to be a very competitive and and deep. Uh, you know, sort of championship level this year. So uh, you certainly hit on a bunch of uh, you know of standouts for some of those uh, some of those teams that you're particularly fond of. But uh, maybe who are a few other players who have stood out for you this year that uh, that fans are maybe going to start getting to know once we get into tournament time.
1: You know, going back to some of the some of the girls I talked about. You know, I think Lexi Ocasio would in just because she's such a good outside shooter and mm-hmm. you know she gets the ball a lot and you know she typically makes the right play. Uh Sammy Ashton at Morgan, she really makes you know, she makes them go. I think she's one of the one of the better players out there, one of the best point guards, probably one of the more underrated point guards in the area. I'm a really big fan of Sheree Saunders moving out to the CCC and uh Farmington. Just energy. Thirty two yep. minutes of energy. Um she plays hard. She plays good defense. She can finish at the basket with contact. You know, staying with Farmington, I like um Hannah Friend and Sophie Borg, I think they've got a legitimate big three of, of players who can go off at any at any point in the game and make plays for you. So I think they're they're also gonna be key. And then Weaver, you know, they've had a rough year. They've uh, they don't have the bigs that they had last year, the two Stewart girls, the sisters, they left. They graduated I think they're both at Roxbury community college and you know, with Snoop, uh with DJ James getting hurt, she hurt her shoulder. She's going off to Hampton, so they decided to shut her down. But right. you know, Shaq, uh Shaq Edwards, one of the better point guards. I think at times she does shoot too much for someone her height because she's like if I'm gonna guess she's probably like five foot four, five foot five maybe and you know, she handles a lot of that offense. She takes a lot of shots. But she you know, when she's on her game, she's very explosive and I think, you know, if with the help of the supporting cast and smart basketball, if she has a good game they could beat some teams. I don't. I definitely don't think there's someone to count out. So I think those are players that are going to have to come up big for their teams in order for, for them to win.
0: Yeah. Um. You know. Sort of. I'm uh, just kind of curious. Obviously, you've seen a lot of uh, interesting games, and even talking, the it sounded like the SEC championship game last last night was a was a strong one. But I'm curious what you what stood out to you as maybe the best regular season game you saw this year.
1: I'll break it down into two categories. The most important regular season game this year was Capital Prep and Mercy. Sure. You know, they played that game at Chase Family Arena up at the University of Hartford on Martin Luther King Day. That same day, there were uh, boys basketball games, you know, in Bridgeport. Um, The kid from from Sacred Heart, who was a top prospect in the the state, Mm -hmm. you know, he was playing down there against Notre Dame Fairford and a few other Bridgeport teams, and you know, to play a, a girls' basketball game in the middle of the season, on Martin Luther King Day, when there's no school, no fan buses, and to pack a college stadium, that was incredible. Yeah. You know, that was it was close to a full house in there that night. You know, it was a 40-point blowout. Capital Prep won the game, and they've been number one ever since. But I think that was the most important game of the year because it just showed that, you know, Connecticut loves women's basketball, girls' basketball, from the collegiate level all the way down to the high school level. And the respect for the game is there from the fans. I think the the best game I saw, the most competitive game, you know, a couple weeks ago, I saw Morgan and and Cromwell play. Uh, the first time they played each other, it was a three point game. Second time, also a three point game. Just good plays on both ends. You know, you know it's a, a good basketball game when the, you know, the the difference comes down to somebody taking a charge. You know, Kelsey Donaldson taking a charge for Morgan and, you know, giving them the ball back so they can ice the game and win it. You know, I think that was that was the most competitive game, that was the the best game. It also clinched the regular season title for Morgan who went on to complete the first undefeated season in school history. So that was that was probably the most competitive. But the most important was despite the score was mercy capital
0: prep sure yeah no I know a lot of folks were, were were really taken with uh how how much enthusiasm there was for that game uh as you said you know just kind of a middle of the regular season but uh to get that kind of attendance and that kind of buzz about a, a girls high school basketball game was really pretty uh something pretty special yeah, I think, and I think something as you say that that sort of was a a, a hallmark of the regular season this year
1: yeah it was I, I definitely think that was that was huge and I know just from talking to other coaches uh in particular, Farmington's coach Russell uh, Chris, that they they want to get in on that. I think Capital and Mercy are going to play again next year. They're going to alternate who's home and away, try to get it back at uh, back at U-Hart. and uh, you know you may see some other teams jumping in there, and they might be like a little round robin. So yeah, you know I, this is great. It's great for the game. It's great for the state, uh, and uh, it's it's a positive thing.
0: Sure, absolutely. Yep, no no reason that uh, the best teams have to wait until the uh, the CIC tournament to to square off with each other. So. Um, now as sort of, as we said, let's move along now and kind of look at the, uh, the CIC tournament. And you wrote, uh, a a great piece for Game Time CT, which I I hope folks will check out kind of with some of your impressions of each of the, the divisional, divisional, uh, tournaments coming up. But so just sort of along those lines, looking ahead to those tournaments, can you give me kind of one storyline or one sort of overriding, you know, thing that jumped out at you from each, uh, classification?
1: In Class Double L, I chose to focus on the uh, FCAC. I mm-hmm. believe out uh, of the 32 team field, 10 of those teams are from the FCAC, And anybody that's been following that conference this year knows that they've just been, typically, beating each other up. I mean, from top to bottom, it's just it's one of the more competitive classes. From Greenwich with Abby Wolfe to Richfield with Rebecca Lawrence, who's going off to um to Delaware, and you got Trumbull with Amanda Foles. She's going to So the Connecticut State University and, you know, Fairfield, Ward, Wilton, it's just the the conference is loaded. And I I think, you know, they're all battle-tested because every game is a playoff game in the FCAG. And I I think they're going to have a strong showing in the tournament. I think with 10 of your conference teams in the 32-team field, you should at least get someone to the semifinals and potentially someone into the final game. So, you know, I think they're going to be – that's going to be the starting line to watch is just how successful – the FCI teams do, because I think it opens the question to, you know, if they don't do well, if none of those teams have successful uh, showings in the state tournament, is it a detriment to play such a tough conference schedule all year? Yeah. So, which, which I think, it, you know, you should. You should play tough competition, but do you run the risk of burning girls out before you get to the state championship, and that's what it's all about? Is when the states. I still think Mercy is going to win class double L. And class L, I mean, I, I think it's all about capital prep. Sure. They've been the most dominant girls basketball team for the past three years. Beat Career when they had Tania at Atkinson. They beat Mercy with Moore Fitzpatrick. You know, they won back to back state championships in two different classes. They're a small school playing in a large division and beating these teams like these teams are small schools when they were back in class S. So, you know, it's a little unfortunate that they couldn't make up that game. If they only played nineteen games, they finished eighteen one, they more than likely would have won that game. So now they're the four seed, and you know teams like Hand, who I mentioned earlier, who had a really good year, probably is going to get too far once they get to the quarterfinals. If they get to the quarterfinals, and end up playing against Capital Capitol. and with them also being the four seed, everybody wanted to see them play Farmington, right? Who's the one seed? They're not going to meet in the final. They're going to meet in the semis. That's a little, you know, disappointing because it would have been nice to see the best two teams in the class play each other for a championship. And we more than likely we won't see that. It'll be the best team against maybe the third best or the fourth best team. You know, Class M, I like Morgan. I mentioned Morgan a lot. Uh, I you know first undefeated season, they do everything they need to. I've noticed they do struggle with handling the ball. They don't have a, a lot of ball handlers on that team. But I think it'll be interesting just to see how far they go. I mean, Cromwell's been a thorn in their side, and they just keep getting closer and closer and closer. But, you know, I think they've got a legitimate shot. Holy Cross, another good team in that class, the, uh, the two-seed, they lost in the Nvl final yesterday, losing to um to Torrington. So I mm-hmm. guess that's, you know, they, it shows they're a little bit beatable. But you know, I think in that class it's Morgan. You know, just how they played this year, and in Class S, I, I think it's it's a it's a storyline, and it's also a question mark. Is how good is Notre Dame Fairfield? Taylor right. Sabalos, who was All State as a freshman at Foreign in 2013, is on their team now. You know, she's been coming along nicely. I want to say she missed. 14 games last year. She played the first four or six games, and then sat the rest of the year out with an injury, and, you know, she's been coming along nicely for them. They've been performing well. They're the five seed. They're playing in the uh, SWC Championship tonight, which is Thursday. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's a... They are the favorite in that class, but in the same breath, they're a question mark, because I don't know if they actually can get through the field and win the championship. But if they did, me and you meet each other up at the Mohegan Sun and you know, they're playing, I won't be too surprised.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun kind of keeping track of all these different storylines and, and seeing what uh, shakes out, and, and maybe there'll be a thing or two to, to surprise us, and we'll get to uh, get to that in a little bit here. But uh, looking at them, looking at the four divisions sort of top to bottom, which strikes you as maybe the most competitive, you know, class champion, class tournament? Which one do you think is going to kind of take the, the, the biggest, uh, the toughest road to get all the way to Mohegan and win that championship?
1: Toughest road in my opinion this year is going to be Class L. Last year I felt like it was Class M, and for a while this year I felt like it was Class M because of Morgan and New London and Cromwell and Holy Cross. But I think Class double is is the toughest because, you know, all the conferences, all the divisions that are strong, they're top heavy. And once you get to maybe like the seven, eight seed, mm-hmm. that's it. Everybody else after that, they have a they have a shot. If you play it in the game, you got a shot. But realistically, they're not going to beat the the, the higher-seeded teams. I think in Class Double L, I mean, you know, career, I feel bad for them. They lost uh, Brooklyn Davis to injury, and she more than likely is out for the year, according to Coach Steve Bethke. But they still got Breonna Knox. She was all-conference. They still got uh, Ashley Arroyo. They still have Kai J. Hargrove, one of the better um, freshmen in the area. Really wasn't talked about too much, but she's one of the better players. They're seven seventh seed. You know, mm-hmm. Stanford, they're a ten seed. They had a strong season this year. There was a a legitimate uh, title contender in the FCI. They went 17 and three in their 10 seed. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I just think, I think uh, when you go top to bottom in Class Double L, you have to really be on your game every night. No buys in the first round. Everybody's playing all the way through until the end. That's that's gonna be tough. Yeah. It's gonna be a fun tournament to watch.
0: Absolutely, yeah. No, looking forward to to seeing how that all how that all shakes out. Um, you know, sort of little different question. You've talked obviously about a lot of good uh, a lot of great players uh that you've seen this year in, in some of these teams and some of the standout players. Do you have one that kind of stands out to you as maybe the player who could make the biggest impact on a on a tournament run for her particular team?
1: The player who could make the biggest impact, I think. I would say is Abby Wolf, I think Abby Wolf has to be the best player on the floor every single night for Greenwich to perform well and uh and have a long run because it's yeah. gonna be tough, and I think they as a team, they're very good, you know, and she can play like I said she's you know she's had Generalroyama at one of her for games they sure. were playing against Fairfield Ludler earlier this season, and Gino was sitting sitting about courtside, right in front of me. I was trying to show him how to use game changer. He's a good guy. <laughs> so, you know, but I think, you know, if she's on her game every night, they got a shot. You know, I just, I wouldn't count out Greenwich. You know, if you look at the field, the way things shake up, they, they'd they have uh, to play Norwalk in the first round. After Norwalk, you're looking at either Richfield or Amity. You know, they they match up well with Richfield, and I think they could beat Amity. And then after that, you know, you, you're looking at playing against the South Windsor. If South Windsor is able to... You know to run the gambit and get to the quarter final. You pass that round, and you know anything can happen when you get to the semi. Sure. So I think she's got to be the best player on the floor every single night for the Cardinals. And I wouldn't be surprised if Granite has a strong showing in the state tournament.
0: Very good. Now, uh, and and f- so final question here. We talked a little bit about favorites, and and obviously, you know, you ne- you never quite know how things are gonna to to play out. But uh if you had to sort of to focus in on maybe one surprise team or a surprise player who who's gonna kinda of make themselves known in the next few weeks that maybe people aren't uh aren't expecting, who would those uh who would the those folks be?
1: As far as a surprise player, I I'm pretty sure she hasn't really garnered the attention statewide in the area. She's got a statewide probably not so much. I think it's gonna be Kylie Slotman at East Haven, you know, she's really good. And when the guards are able to get her the ball, she's tough to stop. They open against a conference team in Guilford who they can beat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then they play against Farmington. And she'll be matching up with, um, with Sophie Borg, who's one of the better post players, high post players, stretch fours in the area. And their styles of play are so similar. They match up so well that it gives East Haven a shot. I don't think they can beat Farmington. But I just think she's one of those players that, you know, she's going to play well. She's going to, no matter what, win, lose, or draw, she's going to play the type of game that um, is going to put her on the map statewide. You know, I think um, when you look at a team that's going to do some surprising and move all the way to Class S, you know, I still like Thomaston. Mm-hmm. You know, I still like Thomaston. I think they've, um, you know, after winning a championship last year, they could have another strong showing again this season as well. All right number three seed, I think they've kind of fallen out of the talks because of, um, cause of Canton. Canton was undefeated for most of the year. Like I said, Notre Dame-Fairfield, Coach Grippo, Coach Joe Grippo at Morgan, when they beat them last game of the year to complete their first perfect season in school history, he said you know, they're the favorites to win Class S. But, I mean, Thomas has been there before. They've been to two straight Class S finals. They know how it feels to lose, getting blown out by capital prep. They won an overtime game against St. Paul last year. You know, it's kind of hard to call them a surprise being that, you know, they're a three-seed and they've been so good. But I think if they win it, it'll be a surprise because people are probably looking at Notre Dame and St. Paul. So, you know, I, I think it's Thomaston.
0: All right. We uh, certainly, as you said, that's a, That would be an, a, a great story. Uh, coming all the way back again for a, a third straight trip to uh, to Mohican Sun at least in the championship game, and uh, we know that yeah. all of the uh, all of the exciting action in the coming weeks will be well covered by Henry Chisholm and the New Haven Register and Game Time CT. And Henry, we uh, we greatly appreciate you uh you coming on and uh, and sharing all your knowledge with us. Really looking forward to uh to seeing what you produce and and what uh, this tournament produces over the next few weeks.
1: Thanks a lot, man. Same to you.
0: Thanks so much to Henry. Always enjoy talking to him. Very passionate about girls basketball and and follows it as well as anybody and covers it as well as anybody in the state of Connecticut. So we appreciate him checking in with us and and giving us it. Got me fired up for the tournaments and and certainly interested to see what's going to take place over the next few weeks. So we look ahead a little bit to championships. Now we're going to look back to some championship competition. Uh, Coming up with us now, we've got Tolland High School's girls indoor track and field coach Corey Bernier, who had himself and his team, Team had a very good weekend this past weekend. This past weekend, the Tolland girls earned the CIAC Open Track and Field Indoor Championship, and their coach, Corey Bernier, is on the phone with us now. We're going to talk a little bit about that championship uh, performance from Tolland. Coach, thanks for being with us.
3: No problem at all. Thank you for having me.
0: So we have uh, was looking at it here, and obviously, you know, Talland has been a, a successful program. You guys have had some strong years, um, particularly, it, you know, with some cross-country success and some outdoor track success. But uh, it's been a little sort of maybe slower kind of breaking through an in indoor track. You did have a divisional title last year and then again the divisional title this year. But I'm curious sort of what you see as the, the kind of difference that has been made uh, recently and sort of finally kind of breaking through and earning that open title. This year uh, for Talladega High School,
3: um, the biggest thing, the biggest change that happened this year, I think that we were able to do it is um, actually had three girls left basketball mm-hmm. and uh, decided to focus on track, uh, including Courtney Ackerly, who was one of our you know main contributors for cross country, um, and then two sprinters, uh, Carissa Laramie and Brooke Bonadies, uh, who were part of relays at the open. Um, I think that that's one of the biggest changes. Um and, and that you know gave us a huge boost. Sure. Uh going going into the indoor season this year. You know, instead of having to wait to see them in the spring. Right. We got we got to have them uh this winter.
0: Yeah, absolutely and uh, and certainly the the depth is uh is greatly uh, impactful in in indoor track and outdoor track. Uh Oh yeah. Uh, As sort of leading up to that, you know, obviously you have the the division championships and then the next week is that open championship. And we mentioned you, you did earn the the class M division championship. What was your sort of approach with the team in that week in between uh, leading up to the open? Was it, you know, open talk about contending for the championship? How did you sort of approach that both in terms of sort of training and also in kind of the mental approach with the team?
3: Um, no, the, the goal has been the open all year. Mm -hmm. Um, we knew coming off that cross country season, uh, you know, we were going to have a shot at it. Um, Jenny Jacobs, our long jumper, you know, was getting better. And we knew with her being able to score in the long jump, you know, the depth of our relays and our, and and the the depths in our uh, distance that we were going to be able to be in there. So, you know, that's been the goal since the beginning. Um, you know, to be in that top three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going into it we knew Staples was gonna be tough. Um, you know, they had huge big points potential and high jump, plus hand of the ball to you, obviously. Sure. Um you know, so and we'll Cross obviously with the Gabby Curtis and, and their relay strength. Um, we knew we would be right there. So, you know, we were very focused in that week. Um, you know, we wanted to recover from that and meet, you know, be healthy and get a good workout in, and, and, you know, we were definitely gearing up for the Open.
0: Yeah. Now, now you're sort of looking at it, and I'm always kind of fascinated at this for, you know, these sports like track and and swimming and and things like that where, you know, you can sort of, to some degree, you can kind of plot out maybe where your points are going to come from. Leading into the meet, did you have sort of an area or particular events that you thought were really going to be the keys uh, in terms of sort of making the difference between whether or not you'd be able to come away with the title?
3: absolutely I mean we uh Julius Brown and Kelsey Swanson are two very good six hundred meter runners um they, they were the one and two ranked class m you know six hundred meter runners, but mm-hmm. we took a risk and 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 we planned for the open um you know and put them in the sprint medley relay um you know we took some we took some hits um you know at the class meet we had enough depth though and with Brooke Bonadies who came out being able to score she got third in the 600 so having her come to the team you know gave us that ability to do that score score some points at the end meet but we we load we were able to load that sprint medley relay which we ended up winning um you know and and i knew you know our four by eight four by four relays would be right there um uh, you know so i think that was the biggest thing One one of the Pieces that we were able to move around was Julia and, and Kelsey so throwing them in the SMR, um, you know, and really trying to set ourselves up for the open and, and get ten points in
0: that event. Right. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of strategy that 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 goes on, and I'm sure if uh, yep. if it had gone the other way, you you probably would be uh, kicking yourself a little bit, thinking of yeah. maybe and you. And uh, then, uh,
3: yeah, and then with, you know with Kaylin Swanson, you know she doing the sixteen thirty two, you know she could have helped our four by eight tremendously. But uh, you know she had to do that double, leaving her in there, and and you know we sacrificed some points in the four by eight. You know if we add her, you know we're right there with Glassenburg and Kagenchag. Um, But we were patient, and we're gonna we're gonna add her when we get to New England. Right. Um, you know which will be a big boost to that relay, which is, you know has already had some success. Um, you know, but we we told these girls the goal was you know Class M's open in New England. So you know we've done the first two pieces now. We you know, we get to run
0: fast this Friday too. Sure, absolutely, yeah, and uh, certainly uh, a lot of interesting things. I'm sure you're you're hoping to achieve at that New England meet as well. Um, when we you sort of look at it, at what point uh, during that championship meet on? I know it uh, it kind of came down to to obviously the the conclusion of the meet, but was there a point during the meet where you started to feel like things were were breaking in your favor a little bit? Uh,
3: the biggest break in our favor, uh, you know. Uh, unfortunately for them was uh, staples their their high jumpers just you know field events can be tough mm-hmm. high jump can be a, a tricky event at times and you know they have a girl that's gone five six and they had a girl that's gone five five so they had potential to go one two you know in that event if they were on and uh, you know they they didn't have you know their best day um, you know you say that and it's, they're they're still sending two girls to New England in that sure. event yeah uh, but uh, you know they came in five six. And, and that really opened the door for us. Um, you know, we won the sprint med, they won 5-6 in the high jump, and, and that, that was kind of our opening there. Um, after that sprint med, we only had uh, 32 and 4-by-4 four four left. And, I, you know, I said we needed at least 10 points, you know, in the 32, and that's what we got. You know, Kaylin got second. Uh, Courtney Akely got, got fifth. Um, you know, so going into that, that gave us a cushion knowing that Wilbur Cross could still win the 4x4, but we could still get enough points to, to get the win.
0: Right. And obviously, uh, for, for those who checked out, uh, hopefully they checked out our, our linked-up in the championship story in the Hartford Current, uh I, I know there was a little bit of tension even after the conclusion of the 4x4 as they sort of tried to figure out uh, some issues with a possible disqualification. What was going through your mind as, as all that was sort of being sorted out after the, the conclusion of that 4x4 race?
3: Uh, it was the most nerve-wracking two minutes I've had as a, as a track <laughs> wait, waiting to find out what exactly happened. I didn't see it. You know, I, I, when it was going on, I heard some people say they thought they, that our girl cut the other girl off. know,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, Then there was people saying, no, it was incidental. There was, you know, no one, everybody thought they had a view, but no one was really sure when it came down to it, you know, what had happened. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I knew there was had to be contact for her to drop the baton. And as soon as the race ended, I see the official walking over, you know, to, towards the finish line. So right. So in my head, I'm panicking and <laughs> trying to figure out, I was you know, I just spent two minutes, those two minutes trying to figure out how to tell my team we might have just lost right. because of a disqualification. And the girl involved, Kelsey Swanson, you know, captain of our team and, you know, one of our most experienced runners there is, so she's... She she knew something happened, and she's thinking she she cost us a championship. So you know she's stressed out like crazy. And uh, you know I was just crossing my fingers, and you know they they met and they just said no, it was incidental. She didn't you know she didn't cut her off, she didn't anything. It just it just happened. That the girl with the Windsor baton, you know, caught that you know my girl's arm was coming back, the Windsor right. girl's arm was going forward, and just made a little contact and. You know, it's one of those unfortunate things that happen. Um, you know, you never want to see that. And I have close ties with the Windsor coaches, being from the same league. Uh, you know, and I always want to see them do well, uh, but it's just one of those things that happen sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, and uh, and, as,
3: and it and it came out
0: in her favor. Yeah, obviously, and as you said, I'm sure a very uh, a very stressful few minutes as uh, as that was oh, all getting getting sorted I, out. So as, as you sort of now obviously you know you as you mentioned your season's not over you're still heading out to the New England uh New England meet this weekend uh braving the the Boston snow but uh just kind of curious sort of now that the at least the state competition is over looking back sort of what what's going to be kind of your big takeaway and and kind of memory from uh from this you know Tallinn earning the the state open championship
3: you know as a as a classham school um you know, we we knew when an open was going to be tough. We knew we had a small window. You know, and schools don't necessarily have a big window to to win that championship. And we knew this was a year to go for it. And the girls bought in from the beginning. You know, the, I, I I tell them all the time the hardest thing about setting a goal, it, you know, is, is setting a high goal and failing. Mm-hmm. You know, thought we're you know never going to get there unless you go all in. And these girls were brave enough to, to go after it and, and, and put themselves out there. And, uh, you know, this year they were lucky enough for and worked hard enough for it to go their way. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm proud of them for that. And, uh, you know, it was, it was an exciting thing
0: for our program. Absolutely, and certainly was uh, an exciting meet all the way around, and an exciting season of uh, of indoor track and field. So we say uh, congratulations once again to uh, to Corey Bernier and his athletes from Tolland High School, and uh, and thanks very much for being with us, and good luck at the New England Championships this weekend. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on that, and uh, and pulling for for your team and for all of the uh, Connecticut performers there this weekend.
3: Absolutely, thank you so much for having us, and yeah, once we get to New England, it's it's about Connecticut. So you know, good luck to everybody.
0: Great. Thanks, Coach. Thanks so much to Corey. Appreciate talking to uh, to him and really can sense the excitement that he had after a very exciting championship weekend for his uh, Tallinn girls indoor track and field team. Congratulations once again to them on the state open title. We go from the girls team to the boys team. We're now going to get in touch with Gary Moore, the indoor track and field coach for Hill House High School, whose boys team also had a very good weekend at the Floyd Little Athletic Center in New Haven this past weekend. We are joined now by Gary Moore, the coach of the Hillhouse High School boys indoor track and field team, which came away with the state open championship this past weekend. So, coach, thanks for being with us. Uh, you're welcome. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the, uh, the championship. Another, uh, we, we just talked to uh, the coach of the Tallinn girls team and uh, another close finish on the boys' side as Hill House edged Weston to earn that Open title. And, uh, Coach, just wanted to find out, coming off that, the Class M championship that you were able to win the week before, how were you sort of feeling heading into the Open and, and what was kind of your your confidence level and, and your expectations for your team heading into the Open championship?
4: Oh, really, to be honest with you, um, I really, I I thought we had a chance, but I didn't really give it much thought. You know, I'm not one to to sit down and try to crunch numbers and see what we'll do if we do this and do that. I just, since I've been doing this for so long, I just pretty much, I'm at the point where I just tell the kids, listen, if we go out there and we're consistent and we do the things we've been doing, we'll we'll have great results. Mm Mm-hmm. If people don't show up that day and, and, and do the things that they've been doing, it could be, it, it could turn out not to be a, a good day. Right. You know, so I'm just about consistency and the kids performing when it's time to perform. So but I really didn't come in, you know, hey, we got a chance, or, you know, oh, I, think, I think we'll do well. <laughs> you know, and because uh, you never know with with, with the kids.
2: Sure.
4: Uh, you know, you know it was, there's been times when I thought we had it, and it would be uh we were favored and things didn't work out that way. So I've went through the years to just hey, I don't put too much into into it and just say, Hey, you know, if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't it doesn't. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well that's uh certainly it's a nice approach and, and one that uh hopefully, you know, maybe takes the pressure off the kids a little bit and just kinda exactly, says, you know
4: exactly. And you know, so that's why I don't I don't really say much to the kids but that, you know, just about just being consistent.
0: Because the bottom
4: line is they're already under enough pressure. As it is, So I don't need to, oh, yeah, you know, if we do this and this event and we do this and, you know it, 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 you know, it doesn't always work out well. Right. I'd rather let the kids just figure it out. We've been doing this long enough. It's been a long year. We've had a great year. I'll just continue to do what you've been doing. That's it.
0: Absolutely, and it, uh, it certainly worked out well for you uh, this weekend. How about sort of during the meet? When did kind of that, you know, you're, you're obviously taking a look at the results and you're seeing things as they come in. When did you start sort of feeling like, okay, maybe this is, is going to be a day that's going to end up with us uh, holding the championship trophy?
4: Uh, once Gabe had placed in the for uh, fourth, uh, he knew that, you know, he had the second best relay with, with the potential. Uh, it's been a that we're in, uh, in close to the roads. Um, if we come and sell it, we will, uh, we have enough points of hydrogen uh, to, to, uh, just edge them.
0: Right. Yeah. So, um, kind of going into the obviously this you know Hill House, you guys have had a had a strong program, and you've been, as you said, you've been doing this for a while, and you're kind of familiar with the championship things. What were sort of some of the keys, uh, from your perspective about you know this team, and and what was uh what were some of the the keys to the success at this meet? You know, in terms of what what performances really think were uh, were were the driving forces maybe for you coming away with the title.
4: Um. Well, obviously. In one of the event I think with, with, with hurdles with Sean Fletcher because like, I really didn't think he was going to win that event because it kid
0: he was like number
4: one. at fact, they were him all year long. So um, I thought in that event that was uh, that was a little surprising mm-hmm. that he was able to win that uh, win that event. Um, I also think you know as far as winning the championship. I think they were just really this in be a Really focused on what they needed to do as a group, um, and definitely a group that was really focused as a unit and really together as a unit, which uh, I just haven't seen from our boys in a long time.
0: Right. You sort of answered a little bit, answered my next question, but just sort of, that's all right. Um, So you, uh, I guess, you know, obviously, as I said, it's been a little while since Hill House has won the Open title. You've had some division championships uh, in that that time. But uh, so that is that was that sort of the thing that stood out to you in terms of what made this particular team special and helped earn them that uh, that Open championship? So, how about sort of for your, you know, perspective looking at it? How how do you think you're gonna, you know, kind of looking back? What do you think you're gonna remember and sort of be your your big takeaways from this season as the as the coach? Um,
4: pretty much like I said, so pretty much the example I think that they set as far as uh, keeping each other up to a high standard in practice. You know, guys aren't doing anything to Do guys just hey, we got to do this? You know. So a keep to that standard, uh, hey, this is what we have to do, and so I've always used that as an example with my girls. But it has always been, you know, always been, been a very, very good thing.
0: obviously it uh it worked out and it was a great championship uh for for the team and, and certainly a very exciting meet uh as well by you know a narrow victory over over a weston team that you had uh had finished ahead of at the uh the m championship as well so coach yeah. we uh we uh we appreciate you just taking a few minutes to t- to talk with us i know you're probably uh going to be heading out and taking some athletes to the new england championships this weekend as yeah. well so uh so that'll be uh, will certainly be pulling for uh, for your crew there as well, and all the Connecticut competitors and uh, and congratulations on a very successful uh, indoor season. And I'm sure we'll uh, we'll be looking at some of these uh, performances again at the outdoor season once uh, once all this snow melts away. We'll uh, we'll have right. some excellent uh, outdoor performances as well. So congratulations on a on a great season. All right, thank you. Thanks so much to Coach Moore. On I got in touch with him on a uh, busy Monday, busy Friday morning. Excuse me. After I screwed up a few times and and messed up our uh, our chances to talk, so appreciate him uh, carving out a little time for me on a Friday morning. and uh, and talking about their excellent season for the Hill House Academics and their championship season with what ended up being a very impressive performance at the boys' indoor track and field open. We wrap things up this week with one of our regular uh, guests to the CIAC cast, Dave Rudin of the RudinReport.com. He's going to offer some perspective on what's happening down in Fairfield County, particularly on the basketball courts as we head into championship season. Very happy to be checking in now with our, one of our Fairfield County correspondents, Dave Rudin of the therudinreport.com. We are always happy to have Dave with us. Dave, thanks for joining us.
5: Thanks, Joel. I'm always happy to be here. Thanks well, for having me.
0: Well, we are, uh, we've are we almost made it through. Uh, we're just about wrapping up the winter regular seasons here. So felt like it was time to check in with you and kind of get the, the pulse for what's going on down in the... Uh, the FCAC, uh, this winter. So starting things off here with, uh, and I know you're. we're recording this on Thursdays, so we've got the FCAC Girls Basketball Championships coming up. Talk a little bit, but what are some of the sort of stories that you've seen develop in the uh, the girls' side in basketball this uh, this winter in the uh, the conference?
5: I'd have to say <clears throat> this is one of the top-to-bottom, one of the strongest years for girls' basketball in the FCAC that I can remember. And case in point, uh, the championship game tonight is between Greenwich and Ridgefield. And they are respectively the third and the fifth seeds in an 18 tournament.
2: Mm -hmm. And I
5: don't think the fact that they're both in the final is an absolute surprise. Uh, Maybe a minor surprise that Wilton, which won 20 straight games after a season opening loss and played in the final last year, did not get to the final. But uh, they went up against Ridgefield, which is a team talking to many other coaches that uh, the coaches thought had the best chance of beating beating Wilton, and uh, they just played a real flawless first quarter, got out to a 17-point lead the other night in the semifinals, saw that lead cut to two points. Uh, everybody thought Wilton was just going to steamroll him, and they held their composure, went on an 8 nothing run to get the lead up to 10 points again, and then... Uh, there was a frantic finish and uh, a last second shot that missed and uh Ridgefield finds itself playing in the championship tonight right. uh, they're 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 pretty they're they're an interesting team They actually have a girl on their team Rebecca Lawrence who's become one of my favorite players just because uh she's a six two six six two post player who can also go outside and uh hit fifteen foot shots and uh rebounds well is tremendous defensively. And has some of the best anticipatory skills I've seen. I've never seen somebody get her hands on so many balls, whether she controls them or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, sounds like a lot of uh, a lot of intriguing, uh, you know, kind of things developing there on the girl side. And I know now, you know, obviously as I said, we're recording this on Thursday. We released the the official CIAC tournament brackets on uh, on Wednesday, so everyone's had a chance to digest those a little bit. And the, particularly in the the class double L field, uh, is is sort of overloaded with a lot of those FCAC teams that you've uh, you've been seeing all year. So, kind of looking at that a little bit, do you do you get a sense for which teams you might f- be uh, favoring to to make a run to Mohegan Sun, or is there just so much parity that it's kind of uh, anyone's guess at this point?
5: You know, it's there are a whole bunch of teams capable of making deep runs. Uh, the two teams playing tonight, Greenwich, Greenwich, has a terrific center, Abby Wolf, six foot three, and she's got a whole bunch of players around her who don't get a lot of attention, but uh, the just play very well together. Ridgefield's another team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Ridgefield wins the championship or Greenwich for that matter. Uh, sometimes you wonder if a team wins the Championship if they feel like uh, they they're get a little too high from it and then it uh, comes falling down in the state tournament, especially two teams that have not won league championships in a long time. Right. Uh, I would be very very uh, weary of Wilton. I, I just think they're going to regroup. I don't think they're going to fall apart from their disappointment in the FCA. I think they're going to regroup. They have one of the state's best shooters, Aaron Cunningham, a, a very good point guard in Haley English, and they do have a six foot three center. Their six foot three centers abound in the FCA this year, uh Erica Myers. So, they're a team that's capable uh Fairfield Ward uh, went down to the last night of the regular season playing for the number one seed, Mm -hmm. but they just lost their point guard. uh, They're pretty certain a season ending injury, and they're very young. I have a feeling they may peter out. I I would have said that they may be just on their talent, their talent would overcome their uh, lack of experience. But without their point guard, they may be in some trouble right
0: now. Right. Interesting to look. And uh, just taking a look at that, as we said, that Class Double L field, if uh, if they happen to win their opening round games, Gr- Greenwich and Ridgefield are actually matched up for a second-round yeah. contest. I, so, I,
5: uh, I was just about to make note of that. So uh, we, could, we could be seeing uh, the third meeting between the team's uh, Shortly, and uh, I I would expect that to happen.
0: Yeah, that would be uh, certainly. And, no,
5: it's 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 really been good because it's just it, it's kind of fun where you have five or six teams that all had realistic hopes of getting to the championship game, and you know two of the non first second teams uh, actually did so. It's it's just been a really really golden year for girls basketball in the SEC, and a lot of good players. I haven't even mentioned Stanford which has a great team, and, and they could actually make a run in the state tournament. And they have a point guard, Tiana England, who's one of the most dynamic players in the state and uh, one of the most uh, fun players to watch, or a real game-breaker.
0: Sort of uh, along those lines, do you have anything, any, any team that sort of, you know, obviously you mentioned some of the, the strong teams and the teams that are you know, have progressed uh, in the the cla- the conference championship tournament. Any sort of under the radar teams, maybe that you think could could surprise some people on the girls basketball side?
5: Ah, uh, I'm trying to think. You know, I'll uh, we'll 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 go we'll we'll go down. We've discussed the six sheets. Uh, we'll go to the seven seeds, and we'll get out of double L, uh, and go to St. Joseph. Okay. St. Joseph is a very very good team that if you took this team and put it in a normal year, probably would have been like a second or third seed. And uh, because of the strength, uh, is a seventh seed. But I would keep an eye on, on them. They, they have a lot, of, a lot of talent on the team. Chris Winnwall is a good coach. And that's a team that could really, really make a deep run.
0: Very interesting, yeah, and they're down in the uh, the Class M field, so that certainly will right. be uh, yeah. be interesting to check out. Moving uh, over to the to the boys' side, I know chatting with you a little bit uh, while well, sort of the the girls maybe have been the dominant storyline in the FCAC this year. What has sort of been the the feeling on the uh, the boys' basketball side in terms of how things have progressed this season? Uh,
5: boys is sort of uh, it's sort of the the opposite of the girls with with, with the same uh, theme though. Uh, boys basketball in the SEC is, is really down this year. Uh, there were eight players who probably would have been first or second team players that transferred out of the league before the season started, uh, including Steve Enoch, who was at Norwalk, and is going to be playing. He's prepping right now, and is going to be playing at UConn.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
5: you've lost a lot of talent in the league. The league has been really, really down. But what you've gotten out of that is there's never been more craziness uh, because everybody's beating everybody, and the landscape has changed literally on a nightly basis. You could you could ask me to rate the top eight teams so one night, and then two nights later, games are played, and I would I would I probably would have changed them about 20 times <laughs> this year. I'm, you know, kudos to West Hill for going undefeated through the league. They're a very very good team but they've played five or six close games and they're not that much better than everybody else where you say you know, that, that team's going to go undefeated. So that that's really a heck of an accomplishment. Uh, they have one of the best players in, in the league in Jeremiah Livingston, one of the most underrated players in the league, uh, forward Terrell Alexander, who's been a double-double machine scoring and rebound. And Howard White's done a really nice job with them. So they're sort of, in one compartment, and then you have uh, the the seven other teams that are in the playoffs, and anything can happen. Right. Uh, I it, it, it literally. Wilton on Monday night was at Ludlow, playing for the number two seed in the tournament. They lost. They lost last night, and now they're the number seven seed.
0: Wow!
5: I'd have to play at Ludlow again, <laughs> which is hosting the tournament. So it, it's just crazy. North. A lot of people, uh, myself included, think Norwalk has as much talent as anyone in the league. And Norwalk, for whatever reason, uh, just has had trouble winning big games uh, the last two or three years. They have one of the most dominant players in Roy Kane. And they're, they're they're a team I would want to avoid because if they wake up, and play up to their potential, uh, no reason why they can't win the championship.
0: Sure, yeah. No, that certainly uh, adds an ele- adds an interesting element when the uh, the, the the conference tournaments and uh, are, are so up for grabs. So sort of leading into that, obviously, you said it hasn't been maybe a, a typical year in terms of strength. Are, do any of these teams uh, strike your fancy as teams that could uh, be factors once we get into CIAC tournament time?
5: You know, I, I would be surprised if anybody ends up at Mohegan Sun, I just don't. I I've talked to a couple of people who see basketball statewide, and they've told me they think that the state is down, but that the Jack is uh, is down a little bit more than the state is. Uh, certainly, West Hill number one is going to have the best chance. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do in in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Are they going to win and go through the regular season? undefeated, a uh, conference season undefeated, and how that will affect them then going to the state tournament or, or if they should get really stunned and be forced to regroup. Norwalk, again, you know, do, do they wake up or not? If, right. If they wake up, then they're a team that could be a real threat. Uh, I'll, go to, I'll go to Wilton. Wilton has done really well. Jill Jerry has done a, a great job. Uh, this is his third year at Wilton. And they've been a a darling in the tournament the last two years. Uh, You know, they're not really a sleeper per se, even though they're the seventh seed right now. But they have a really good guard in Matt Schifrin. Uh, They're a team that moves the ball up the court real quickly. Lots of three-point shots. They're they're definitely, if if you're a fan, they're probably the most entertaining team to watch. And they live and die by the three. They put several games together uh, when when they're dependent on three-point shots and, and make a deep run possible. A, a lot will depend on Sheffren also, who hurt his hurt his ankle Monday night. I don't know how much he played last night, and uh, I'm I'm not sure of the health of his ankle right now. That's a key because if if he's injured, uh, then then Wilton's in big trouble.
0: Right. Yeah. So a lot of a uh, lot of interesting stories to keep a track to keep track of there uh as as we head into the tournament so dave anything else that's sort of uh an overriding theme or, or interesting uh kind of thing that uh that fans uh should know about uh what's been going on down in your neck of the woods this winter season anything else that kind of jumps out at you
5: uh, you know what it's just it's been another uh, another glory season for the fc uh, their their hockey teams are our boys and girls are doing very well mm-hmm. and should be very competitive in, in state playoffs and uh have chance to, to bring home some titles. Uh, this remains, uh, has just been a golden era for track the last five or six years. Uh, those te- teams are, uh, teams around there are doing very well. And uh, a lot of outstanding uh, individual performances, including Hennon DeBalsy, who just uh, keeps going and going and going for Staples and Alex Osberg at Darien. Sure. Wrestling, uh, Danbury and, and Fairfield Ward having great seasons, and be interesting to see how they make out at New England. Uh, you know what? It, it, it's just been it, it's a fun league to cover. I, I, I enjoy my job. I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy getting up in the morning and always uh, have stories to work on. I'm never saying what am I going to do now. So uh, <laughs> I owe a lot to the F C X for the Rudin Report
4: being in existence.
0: Well, it certainly uh, is a great resource for for fans trying to keep track of everything that's going on down in that neck of the woods. And we uh, we always love talking to you because you certainly uh, have a good feel and a good pulse for what's happening in uh, in that part of the state. So, Dave, thanks as always for joining us, and uh, we will check in with you again real soon, I'm sure.
5: Thanks a lot, y'all.
3: Always appreciate it.
0: Thanks, as always, to Dave Rudin for being with us. Love getting his perspective, and he covers that area of the state about as well as anyone as he keeps tabs on everything that's going on down there for us and always enjoy getting the chance to catch up and talk with him. So that is going to do it for the CIAC cast. We thank Dave Rudin, we thank Gary Moore, we thank Corey Bernier, and we thank... Henry Chisholm, all for being with us this week. It is an exciting time of year, a busy time of year. We will try to get back onto our every-other-week schedule. As I said, I thought I was on that schedule and somehow lost track of an entire week. Not entirely sure how that took place, but we won't ask questions about it. Either way, we hopefully will be back in uh, in two weeks with another edition of the CIC cast. Lots of championship action. Be sure to check out CIACsports.com, Tournament Central. Sign up for tournament updates. Follow us on Twitter, at CIACsports.com buy a subscription to the NFHS network for the month and watch all kinds of championship action coming up in the next few weeks. It's going to be a very busy, very exciting time of year. And we're thrilled to be able to be a part of it with you. And we're thrilled that you decided to join us for this edition of the CIA cast. So once again, I am Joel Cookson. We are happy to have you along with us. Thanks for listening and hope you will join us again in a few weeks for the latest edition of the CIA cast.